0: Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash newreleases. That's bookriot.com slash newreleases. Happy browsing!
1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 268, and today we are talking about books being released on July 14th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello!
2: Hello! It's the Portland people, sort of. It's the what? (laughs) The Portland people. I don't know why I said that, but I was just thinking about the fact they were in two different Portlands, because my brain is fried. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm actually not in Portland, but Maine is, like, such a, like... It's a big state, but it's also, like, such a small state. Like, you can go anywhere in just a matter of hours. You know, so it feels like I'm practically in Portland. Yeah. This is actually... This is my first week of of summer vacation. I'm on vacation now. I know! Except for um, all the books, because I have all these books in my head. Like, and where am I going to go during a pandemic? Not that I would have left my house anyway on vacation. What do I ever do except read? (laughs) Uh, So... It's my first week of vacation. Um, It's been okay. Uh, We had some major appliance failures in our home and in our property, which is really frustrating. But, you know, you get to hang out, read books. I don't really have any plans for my vacation other than to wear a different t-shirt every day. That's it.
2: (laughs) I've been following on the gram. It's very exciting.
1: (laughs) I got all my t-shirts out of all the boxes upstairs. And uh, I bought some garment racks. Because I like being able to see everything at once. I'm tired yep. of dressers. Dressers are out. Garment racks are in. Now I have I have almost 200 t-shirts. My bedroom looks like a Hot Topic. And I can like see everything now. And I'm like, oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that one. I am such a nerd. I'm with you. But that's my exciting vacation plans is uh, t-shirts.
2: You're the only adult that's not a teacher that I know that gets to say the like, oh, I have a summer vacation. Like, I'm so jelly. Like, I've been wanting to say those words for a very long time. Like,
1: what I did on my summer vacation and
2: nothing going here, so.
1: Yeah, I haven't had a summer vacation since I was in, you know, grammar school. Yep. So (laughs) I'm not good at vacations usually, but this one is much longer, so I think I'll finally settle into it. Usually I feel like so much pressure to do exciting things and have fun. (laughs) So do I. That I can't do anything and it just ruins my whole vacation. But since like I can't really go anywhere and you know I have a lot of time for the summer, I think I'm feeling a lot more relaxed about it. Yeah, it's only been a few days. You'll you'll get into your groove. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll probably be like you know up on the roof, you know, <laughs> yelling bird calls, naked. You know, running around. The
2: woodchuck report from the roof. It'll be great.
1: Yeah. A couple more. A couple more weeks. They'll be like trying to coax me down. It's like <laughs> we just gave her time off. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know this would happen. But for now, I'm just reading books and having fun. We are going to
0: talk about books today. First, we're going to hear from a sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com newreleases new releases. That's bookriot.com newreleases new releases. Happy browsing. Okay. So books, yay books. I feel bad, like I
1: was going to say this and then I feel bad saying it and then I was like, I feel, then I started explaining why I feel bad. So now I have to tell you, I read the start of a lot of books that are coming out today and I did not enjoy very many of them. So I found it hard to pick books today. I had a couple that I was set on and then I had to go through a bunch to get to the last two that I have. That happens sometimes. It might just be me. Maybe I'm on vacation. I'm like, Psh. I don't have time for you. I'm on vacation. I don't know. But this was also, like, a few weeks ago, so maybe not. But I got four great books out of it. And Vanessa has a couple that I was so jealous that she wrote them down first that I wanted to read. Uh, So it's going to be awesome. I'm going to start with one that actually was supposed to come out in May. But because of the changes in schedules, it is out today. It is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. We love him here. He's so great. He writes a lot of supernatural fiction, a lot of horror. We're huge fans of Mongrels, which was his werewolf book, and just a bunch of other great stuff. This is a supernatural revenge novel, but it's definitely horror. It's it's pretty scary. It's about four Native American men who are friends, and something terrible happened when they were younger and on a hunting trip, and now something is coming for them because of what happened on this hunting trip and at the beginning of the book one of the friends is found by this thing that is searching for them and uh dispatched in a parking lot that's like the prologue and you learn like what this like see kind of like what this thing is that's coming for them Uh, and then the rest of the book is about the remaining three friends lewis in particular it's about his life and uh they how are they're like dealing with this guilt and this stress from what happened you know 10 i think it's 10 years ago and they're you know wondering, like, how they got themselves into this and what they're going to do. It's a horror novel. It's like, you know, it's like Michael Myers with antlers or, you know, Freddy. I was calling it Freddy or Kruger because it's like it's like a really scary elk thing that's that's coming. It's not a spoiler. It's all over the the descriptions and on the cover, basically. But it's it's a deer elk thing that is uh, coming for them. And it's spooky. It's very intense. It is super gory. It's a horror novel. So, you know, if that's not your thing, then this is this is not the book for you. But he's just such a great writer and his stories are so much fun, even when they're very, very intense and stressful. And it's also it's also a story of contemporary Native persons in America and the stereotypes, the abuse, the racism, all the horrible things that they are subjected to being in America. And so trigger warnings for all of those things, as well as, you know, like I said, gore. Animal death, people death, lots of people death. And yeah, so if you want something fun and scary for the summer, uh, run right out and get The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Ooh, that sounds really good.
2: It is good. I'm either in like a romance or horror phase right now, which are, you know, they go hand in hand when you want them to, maybe. Yeah. Are there a lot of horror romance novels? I don't know. I'm going to try to find one, I guess. (laughs) switching gears a tiny bit my first pick is one that i've been calling the wrong thing for like two months (laughs) and that's the extraordinaries (laughs) by tj clune i got it in my head that it was the extraordinaires and i've been talking to everyone and their mom about the extraordinaires about how good it is it's not the extraordinaires it's the extraordinaries which should have made sense based on the rest of what i read but anyway it's good so read it (laughs) So T.J. Klune has written, I mean, a ton of stuff, really great stuff. But his last, The House on the Cerulean Sea, was a really yes. big hit, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> So many people, uh, you know, Book Riot and other just, like, are obsessed with that book. I have it. I just haven't read it yet. But definitely going to go back and read it after this, because this is his YA debut. It's a work of fantasy. It's really quirky, in which we meet a kid named Nick. He is a, I think, rising junior and he lives in Nova City with his police officer dad. Both his parents were police officers. His dad still is a police officer. But his mom, we find out at the you know, very start of the book, has died and pretty recently. Like within the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. And so his dad is now raising him on his own. They're doing better. But of course, you know, they're still, they still feel her loss really keenly. You know, they talk about her and both just kind of trying to do their best with like the void that, you know, she's, she's left behind. She was great. Nick is also, like, a level 10,000 fanboy for Shadowstar. And Shadowstar is Nova City's, like, resident superhero. So his obsession just runs so deep that he writes this very, very extensive fanfiction in which Shadowstar Star is basically constantly rescuing Nick's alter ego named Nate. <laughs> so he's like a bit of a, of a crush on him too. And again, this, this fan fiction, when I say it's extensive, it is super extensive. He has this whole like robust online presence. He sends it to friends for proofing, talks about it like nonstop. It's, it's a whole thing. So you can imagine how smooth, and by smooth I mean not, Nick plays it when he has a chance encounter with Shadowstar. And it's not just any chance meeting, like him and his friend Gibby are saved from an attempted mugging by, you know, the superhero that is the object of his literary and, you know, other affections. Nick nearly makes a fool of himself, but, you know, pulls it together, even manages to get a picture and an autograph, comes with this personalized note. And then he realizes later that in that personalized note, Shadowstar used his full name and Nick like definitely didn't give him that full name. So he's like, hmm, ha, what does that mean? And Nick essentially decides to go off on this journey to like make himself extraordinary. He'll do it by any means necessary with or without the help of Seth Gray, who is Nick's like bestie and ex-boyfriend and like maybe the love of his life still. I can't keep reading. It is just such a fun book. It's obviously like a very queer Twisty, sometimes sort of cheesy, campy take on the superhero story, but in a way that's that's I mean that that's all a compliment. Like in a way, I truly, truly love. I read it. I decided to read it and was looking up bits of it on you know online. I would stumbled across a review on Goodreads that called it "soft superhero queer disaster," and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what this is, and I now want to read it even more. Uh, Nick's character has ADHD, so there's really good ADHD representation in it. The dad is one of my favorite characters because, you know, T.J. Klune sets out to write really queer stories and to make them, you know, realistic and to make the representation like really authentic. And in these books, like the dad is this really cool they just talk about his queerness like it's any old thing, the way in theory, you know, it should go. Where it's not this like big conversation and the dad doesn't have any kind of hang-ups about it. It's just like, great, you're gay. Um, here's the talk about safe sex. I don't care whether you're gay or straight, you're gonna listen to me and it's gonna be awkward and weird because I'm your dad, and it's just that's the way that goes. But their dynamic is really cool. You get the dad is really present, it's like a really healthy relationship, and I loved reading about it. And then Seth's character is like this little chubby cinnamon roll. Like, I love him. He like wears bow ties and glasses, and he's just everything about this is just really like cute. And the dialogue I thought was fantastic and highly, highly recommended on audio. I think it's Michael Leslie that reads it and he just captures that like hyperactive brain that turns into word vomit thing so well and the way the characters kind of good naturedly rib each other. Like he just he he switches between characters and voices really seamlessly and it's definitely one of the most like fun times I've had with an audiobook in a while. So yeah, it's really great. It's definitely made me want to look up everything in that audiobook narrator's catalog and to go back and read *House in the Australian <laughs> Sea*. Uh, so again, that's *The Extraordinaries* by T.J. Klune.
1: All right, my next pick is another very highly anticipated book of the summer. It is *Utopia Avenue* by Woo! David Mitchell. Uh, David Mitchell wrote *Cloud Atlas*, *Bone Clocks*, all kinds of amazing books. I love him so much, and this one. True to form, like everything else he writes, is a little different, different time period, different characters. It is set in the late 1960s music scene, uh, which in America was cool, but in England was even cooler. It is set in London, and it's about a band called Utopia Avenue, a band that burned bright for a short period of time during all the politics and war, and sex, and drugs that was going on. And it's basically about three characters who are in this band. There is Dean, who is the bassist. There's Elf, she is the singer. And there is Jasper, the guitarist. We also hear from the drummer and manager at different points. Uh, but mostly it's these three characters. And Mitchell paints these very like thorough, broad Stories and backgrounds for these characters, and we get a glimpse of like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of the time, and also uh, each of their hopes and dreams, and what's going on in their lives and careers at this time, and the stress of creating, you know, like what their process is like. Elf is very talented, but she's very insecure and also suffering from the stress of trying to be a woman in like the mostly male dominated. A field of rock and roll dean is the bassist he has garbage luck i think like in the first chapter he's basically lost his job his home all his money uh it's like a it's like a sitcom almost like he's just he has terrible luck and he's trying to like pull himself up and jasper is the guitarist he is the brilliant but tortured artist that so many talented people are and this book has easter eggs uh, for uh, David Mitchell's other books, there are cameos by tons and tons and tons of famous people from that time period. And it's just really fun. It's just a very absorbing novel about music and life and bands. And if you like to read about that time period, it's really great. I will say uh, he used a couple of questionable terms uh, in the novel that I think was more to indicate the time period as opposed to his own use of this language. I would be, be kind of disappointed if I found out it was the latter. But it's just, it's a really fun story. I was very surprised because his last couple of books have been sort of more supernatural and sci-fi kind of horror. And so I was, wasn't expecting uh, this more like
2: historical,
1: historical tale, but it's really good. It is called Utopia Avenue, and it is by David Mitchell.
2: When you said that you started a bunch of books and didn't finish them, I was like, please tell me she did not not like the David Mitchell because I was really excited to read it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny you say that because I did, like, I started reading it as soon as I got it and then I had to set it down for, like, work things. Yep. And, like, didn't pick it up again for, like, a few weeks. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I have the David Mitchell. <laughs> Can't believe I even forgot for, like, a second.
2: That's basically my issue with most of his catalog. I've actually only read one of his books. It's Bone Clock, so it's not even necessarily, what? like, his favorite yeah, or his best. Um, and that book, A, I mean, made me a Mitchell fan, but I was absolutely that meme of the girl with the equations, like, floating over her head, reading that book. Like, his brain works in ways that I don't 100% understand, but it makes for really great books. So I'm I'm jazzed. I'll pick that one up. Yeah,
1: he's so great. I can't believe it's been, like, I don't know, six or seven years since. I got to meet him at BEA. Um, One of the Random House people set it up so that I got to talk to him for a minute. And by talk to him, I mean I just stood there and looked at him. Like stared. was like, "Uh, nice (laughs) to meet you. Yeah. Um, And someday, if I hate myself enough, I will watch the movie of Cloud Atlas.
2: Yeah, I've heard I things. <laughs> I
1: haven't
0: come to that point yet.
2: <laughs> but he's a very sweet guy. My Yeah, he was like friends of the bookstore I worked and he, I reached out to him about a thing once And he's just seems I, – I too hope that the language, like you said, is indicative of a time period because he just seems like a great guy and it'll like yeah. s- super make me sad if I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, <sighs> you know, I, not necessarily him, but I find – not to keep going on about this, but I find that there have been like a couple of authors that I really loved when I was younger who seem to have gotten kind of clueless. Mm -hmm. in their older age, Mm -hmm. you know, and seen sort of out of touch (coughs) in McEwen. Uh, But, you (laughs) know, so I, like, hope that it's not
2: a case of that. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I really like him. Okay, okay, we'll stop babbling. Um, Let me talk to you about my next book, which I really love. I was really glad that these two books were not ones that were all of them, but that Liberty hadn't snatched up because I was excited to talk about them. So my second pick is Running by Natalia Sylvester. This book is very timely, um both for my personal taste and just to think in general. but our main character is a young woman she's a teen named Mariana Ruiz she's a Cuban American teen in South Florida. I think she's fifteen, and she's the daughter of u s Senator Anthony Ruiz. You know, like it's often the case she's idolized her father all her life you know she's she's a daddy's girl, she loves him, and she's Stood by his side through campaign after campaign, you know, watching as her dad went from just sort of like a local political scene to, you know, rising to his position in the Senate. But things change, and a lot, when her father decides that he's now running for president. So she's, you know, grown somewhat accustomed, I guess, to, you know, growing up in the public eye, given her dad's career, so it's not entirely new to her, but as one might imagine, the level of scrutiny once you're in that, you know, a presidential race is just a whole new level of intensity. And she's wholly unprepared. I don't know how necessarily you could ever, you know, be prepared for that kind of that thing, that upheaval. So she basically, right before this giant, like uh, televised interview, like a 60 minutes style thing where they're supposed to tour the family home. Mariana is like, oh, I've had enough of this. And she runs away. And that decision, of course, does not play out very well for anybody. It leads to viral videos and, like, manufactured scandalous tabloid articles. It just blows up and makes things, you know, way worse. So everything feels like a mess. It's all coming to a head when Mari learns a lot about her father. Because, obviously, it's not just stuff about her and her family. But, you know, her actual father candidate, the candidate... You know, people are digging stuff up about him left and right. And not all of it is necessarily even quote unquote, bad stuff. Like it's not meant to slander, but it's just literally his political history, like how he's voted on things, what his views are. And she's, you know, coming into uh, you know, adulthood, she's, she's a teen and learning more about the world as she moves in it. And she's kind of bummed to find out some of the stuff about her dad that, you know, she finds out. And she realizes, as again, as often the case for people, once we grow up and start to see our parents as, as humans and not necessarily our superheroes, that, you know, she's not 100% the man that she thought he was. So the book is, you know, coming of age. It's about, you know, how finding your voice when you're literally on this giant world stage. You, you know, what what is it like? Or you know, it's tough enough to have a disagreement with like a parent, and then how about when all of that is again playing out like super, super publicly? How do you deal with that heartbreaking notion of your, you know, parent, parental figure no longer feeling like your hero? And then how do you stay true to yourself, but also feel like you know, you're you're being robbed of the right to make mistakes and experience life as like a normal teen when none of that really is very conducive to like a political campaign trail. This reminded me a lot of the reasons that I liked *Red, White and Royal Blue* because it was just really fun to see Latinx representation in a political space. But it's much more coming of agey than that, and I appreciated it for that because it's just so it, I don't know. it Resonated really strongly with me to see this young woman dealing with these these issues and because again, I think this is something a lot of us can relate to when you're having to watch your parent again just show their humanity. And that's necessarily not always a bad thing, but it's it's hard to deal with when you're trying to forge a path of your own that may or may not align with your parents, you know, vision of the world and then, you know, tack on a presidency on top of that. And it's there was just a lot of uh there were times when I was like, edge of my seat kind of <laughs> reading it, but Ultimately enjoyed it so, so much. So, yeah, pick that up. It's really fun. And that's Running by Natalia Sylvester.
1: Okay. Changing speeds now. I have a fun YA novel. It is called Devil's Ballast by Meg Cady. And it's a YA novel that was out in Australia last year, I think. Uh, and now it is coming here uh, for us to read. It's really fun. It is about Anne Bonnie. If you do not know who Anne Bonny is, if that name does not sound familiar, if you do not watch Black Sails, Anne Bonny was arguably, is arguably, I should say, the most famous woman pirate in history. Uh, Very little is known about her. She was Irish, they do know that much, and born right at the turn of the 18th century, but not much else is known. She was raised by her father. Uh, She was illegitimate. I believe Uh, she was the daughter of one of her father's house servants. And he kind of raised her as a boy. He dressed her as a boy and called her Andy. And they lived in the Caribbean. And then while she was there, she disobeyed her father and married a man named James, who turned out to be a totally horrible person. They lived in the Bahamas. He was awful. And eventually she ran away with Calico Jack, the pirate, uh, and became a pirate herself. And so in this book, Anne is living aboard Calico Jack's ship, the ranger, and pretending to be Andy. A very smart and skilled pirate, but also the lover of Calico Jack. Uh, She has run away from her abusive husband, James, and they now spend their days looting and killing and stealing aboard the Ranger. And James, her husband, is looking for her. There is a bounty out for her because she is an adulterer, and also uh, for Calico Jack because James wants his property back, his stolen property, because that is how women were considered back then. But Anne is herself a whip-smart, cunning killer. So make no mistake, this is a book about the villains. You are cheering for the villains in this book. They were pirates. And they did, you know, kill people. Pirates don't often play nice, uh, unless you're in The Princess Bride. And so, you know, despite... I mean, we get to see, like, the traumas that Anne has endured. But also, you know, they board pirate ships and kill a bunch of people. And, and terrible things happen. Um, I would call this a YA novel for, like, the older end of, of the teen... Ages because it is a little violent and there's some talk of sex. Also, it is very loosely based on Anne Bonnie's life because as I said, not that much is really known about her. And what a lot of what we do know about her was supposedly written in this biography hundreds of years ago, which now is believed to have been like a Daniel Defoe work, so we don't really know all that much about her. But this is really, really fun. And I was on board rooting for the villains. And it's called Devil's Ballast by Meg Cady. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. All right, Vanessa,
2: take it away. My turn again. Okay, so my next book is Well-Behaved Indian Women by Samia Dave. And this is so much fun. I am just, again, in the mood for, like, feel-good stories for the most part right now. Or horror. Um, and this is the former It's a multi-generational mother-daughter story about three women, Simran, Nandini, and Mimi. It takes place, it it flashes back and forth to a couple parts, but the the bulk of the story takes place in 2018. Simran is 26 and she is engaged to her high school sweetheart who is a med student at NYU. She herself was in grad school at Columbia for psychology. So they're like the picture of happiness. They look really great on paper. But Simran has actually always wanted to be a journalist. It's this desire that she's pushed like deep, deep, deep down in order to be a, you know, quote unquote good Indian woman who makes her family proud. But even all the sacrifices, you know, in her mind that she's made really aren't enough to garner her family's approval, specifically her mother, who refers to her writing as her quote-unquote little writing hobby. And as a person from a Brown family, I am not Indian, but I think many Brown families understand how charged that little phrase is, like throwing in the little and then hobby when you're talking about a thing that you really love to do, just like, oh, it hits you right, right in the gut. So it was just, yeah, relatable. But... She has done things to try to appease her family, but then also it didn't work out. Like, she was dating, you know, her now fiancé behind her family's back, and that really ticked everybody off. And she chose psychology over medicine, and that also was not considered, like, the path for, you know, a good Indian woman. So her and her mother, Nandini, are just kind of constantly bucking heads. And one day... Simran has this chance encounter with this super dashing journalist man, and he sort of makes her take a look at her life and ask whether anything that she's done or, or, you know, finds, like, her position is really what she wants. Like, does she really want to be a psychologist? And does she really and truly want to be engaged to, you know, this man that she's supposed to marry? Nandini herself, as you know, we learned from kind of flashbacks to her past and present is, you know, a complicated figure. And while her daughter just sees the parts that are, you know, disapproving and judgmental, you know, she came to the States and made a number of sacrifices and really difficult choices that she has done all to make sure that her children don't go through the things that she had, you know, to go through. And in the present, her life is sort of uprooted when a former colleague makes her this incredible offer. She's a, a doctor. And only then, you know, when this offer is put before her, does she realize that she's been so caught up in being, again, a good Indian woman and sacrificing parts of herself for everybody else that she's kind of lost herself and, like, what's important or or what she wants, really. Uh, not just important, but what she, like, physically just wants for herself. Like, when all of this is getting kind of thick and Simran decides that she's just kind of rudderless and doesn't really know which way she wants to go, she decides to go on this trip back to India and spend time with her grandmother, who is Mimi. And Mimi knows that she made some mistakes that are possibly like, or that it might be impossible, I suppose to fix with her daughter Nandini, but she is determined to sort of be a bridge between Simran and Nandini to show them that they're actually more alike than they are different and to hopefully make you know the, each one see the sacrifices that the other has made and to understand that their happiness is important and that they can you know forge their own paths all the while though Mimi herself is struggling with a secret burden of her own. I love multi generational stories I love mother daughter stories, especially when they are complicated because again, I think I'm just on this kick of. <laughs> getting to that place in adulthood where you look at your parents maybe a little bit differently and sometimes it works out for the best where you come to understand them with the you know lens of adulthood that you've now donned for yourself and i have seen a couple people rag a little bit on the book as far as the language being a little bit i don't want to talk mass about it so it's just kind of just i'm going to call it accessible because that's truly what i think it is It's just doesn't it's not particularly fluffy or pretentious but it's just real and i thought very, again, relatable and just a good story. I, I, I kind of got sucked into it. So, yep, I think that's great. You should read Well-Behaved Indian Women by Somia Dave.
1: Okay, my last pick today is a nonfiction read that I found very interesting. It is The King of Confidence, a tale of utopian dreamers, frontier schemers, true believers, false prophets, and the murder of an American monarch. Because as we know, Nonfiction books have to have a super long parenthetical title. But this book, The King of Confidence, it is by Miles Harvey. And if you like history, it is wildly interesting. It is about James Strang, who is not a person I was aware of. He is called the most famous con man of the 19th century. He was the successor of Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism, or or what is presently known as Mormonism quick background Joseph Smith was the gentleman who said an angel came to him and gave him these gold tablets and only he was able to read them and he translated them and wrote the book of mormon and also uh then got rid of the gold tablets and the angel disappeared and so no one else ever heard or saw him but uh you know people were like hey cool he's got something going on here uh, and eventually was shot and killed and James Strang uh showed up a little while later with a letter claiming that he was Joseph Smith's successor and established his own sect of Mormonism in Michigan and declared himself a king and sort of fell into the same traps and the same schemes that Joseph Smith was involved with, uh, multiple wives, thieving, conning, uh, and ultimately met the same end as Joseph Smith. Uh, and this is all in the it takes place, uh, in the American antebellum era. It's a really interesting look at like the time before the Civil War started and, you know, like how, now, I mean, even think about the Internet. Think about how people are swindled, you know, on the Internet every day. Uh, and before that, it was on the phone. And before that, it was by mail. But like these are people that, you know, would see people on the street being like I'm selling, you know, oil refineries for a and, dollar. And they would you know buy into it or like there's a story of a guy who bought an entire property sight unseen and then showed up, showed up to this property. And it owned, it was owned by someone else. And they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. You know, th- things like that happened all the time that, you know, people were like, if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. Like people were literally selling like bridges and stuff. And it was also a time where a lot of people were popping up saying, hey, God talked to me, said I'm in charge, and were trying to start their own religions. And it's so fascinating to see how many of these people showed up. And Strang himself was fascinated by this he was very interesting as a young child he wrote his journals in his own code uh, he grew up to be a lawyer and then you know decided you know he was going to take over for joseph smith and it's you know it's a it's an interesting piece of history it looks at the economic uh side of the country and the politics of the time and how these people were taken in you know people who didn't have a lot had hopes and dreams and they were pinning them on these con men because they didn't know any better, and they didn't, you know, they they were really hopeful of hope. And if you like *Charlatan* by Poe Brock, or if you like the book *The Poet and the Murderer*, which is more of a contemporary con man story, this reminded me a lot of that. And you can also apply it to contemporary times. I mean, like his followers believed anything that he said. They made excuses for his bad behavior. You know, would would just side with him always. And even even like when those choices and decisions were. You know, counterproductive or detrimental to their own beliefs and and safety. <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's a, a really interesting look at at con men and this one in particular. It is the con- King of Confidence: A Tale of Utopian Dreamers, Frontier Schemers, True Believers, False Prophets, and the Murder of an American Monarch by Miles
2: Harvey. I mean, yeah, nonfiction subtitles are long. With that one, is long. <laughs> they... Yeah, they're always long. <laughs> Why not? Okay, I'm gonna take us home here. So, my last book is A Sweet Mess by J.C. Lee. Again, you will notice I'm just on kind of a romancey kick in the last several months. But this was a lot of fun. So, Aubrey Choi is our protagonist and she owns and runs a highly successful bakery. It's called The Comfort Zone. I think it's really cute. And so, she's busy not just with the usual business owner. Business stuff, but now with expansion, like the bakery is going through its first expansion. So she's got her hands full with that. And so she's like, oh, I got no time for dating. Expansion. Ah, oh, so busy. Yeah, but, you know, it's a romance. So we know where this is headed. And that is to the bedroom because she has this super Stevie one night stand with this gorgeous Korean guy named Landon Kim. She is hearing, you know, cherubs singing in the background, and she's super smitten and wondering if, like, maybe she was wrong. You know, maybe she does have time for for a little bit of romance, but then, you know, record scratch. It turns out that Landon is a celebrity food critic, and he has written this scathing review of the bakery. That review, as often happens in these situations, goes viral, and it gets so, you know, popular and widely distributed that it threatens to destroy her business, so, with that, you know, obviously, poof, you know, all memories of, or fond memories anyway, of that sexy night are just like vanished and she gets back to, you know, being on her grind and try to rescue this business that she's worked so hard to make a success. Landon, on the other hand, does feel pretty terrible about what happened. So he's trying to make it up to her, to make it right, and he offers Aubrey the chance to be a guest or uh, to be on this like celebrity cooking show that he is going to produce. She agrees. Mainly because she's just like, I need to save my bakery. I need to save the reputation. I need to do like anything to get, you know, back to where I was. And obviously, you know, it all happened thanks to him. But she kind of sees like this is the only way for her to get back on solid ground. So she goes into it, but of course, making this, you know, pact with herself that she is not in any way going to let him back into her bedroom. You know, she's going to guard her heart, put up a wall, just do the thing to get her business back in a good place. And then that will be that. But, you know, they find themselves sharing this villa in wine country in California. It's close quarters. Again, it's romance. You know where this is going. <laughs> and so in these three weeks, they're going to have to see if they can, you know, resist each other and then find a way to do both the business and the love thing, perhaps. I have discovered that I really like the enemies to lovers thing. That's obviously a trope that you will find here. If you liked A Summer for Scandal by Lidia Salandres or A Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev, which are two of my favorite romances that I've read in the last couple of years, I think you will really enjoy this. It has a lot of that same, not just enemies to lovers, but like a person who is specifically with their business done a thing that threatens to undo you know yours (laughs) then what do you do when you're put into the situation where you kind of have to like accept their favor to get back to where you need to be but it was a lot of fun it's just really sweet as i guess the title would imply (laughs) that is a sweet mess by jc lee
1: okay those are our new books what are you going to read next
2: I was about to say that I'm going to do an Agatha Christie reread because that was already in the plans. But now that I've talked about The Extraordinaries, I think I'm actually going to go back and read House in the Cerulean Sea.
1: Oh, it's so cute. I can't It's just wait. so nice and so sweet. I can't wait. I, like, basically forced my bestie to read it. Like, she doesn't usually read, like, supernatural stuff or, you know, anything sweet or like that. And I
2: was like, you have to, like, you, you have you will. to read
1: it. And she really <laughs> liked it.
2: It's like, okay. That's basically, I'm the friend. Everybody's <laughs> gonna like read this now. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> so, yes, it's time.
1: Yep. I am going to read Cursed Objects, which coincidentally is also my nickname. Uh, but <laughs> it is Cursed Objects Strange but True Stories of the World's Most Infamous Items by J.W. Ocker. Comes out from Quirk Books in September and is based on true things out in the world, like Annabelle the Doll from the Conjuring movie. And uh, some Roman artifact that was believed to have inspired the Hobbit, which I had never heard of before. And the Conjured Chest, which has been blamed for 15 deaths within a single family. And the Unlucky Mummy, which is rumored to have sunk aboard the Titanic. Some pretty cool stuff. Uh, So I'm going to read that. It's not very long. So I think after I read that, I'm going to read A Unified Theory of Cats on the Internet (laughs) because it just sounds hilarious. And it's about how cats became the undisputed mascots of the internet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those are two like very liberty picks.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm I'm into it. (laughs) So that is it for us today. I have to go because I have to take my pants off. It's too hot in here. (laughs) I can't take it any longer. I made it through the whole show, but it's time for the pants to come off. (laughs) No more pants. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, no more pants. This is my first. It hasn't been, like, super hot here in a long time. So this is, like, our first really hot stretch in Maine uh, when I've been recording. And it's no fun. Uh, So I'm going to stop talking about it now so I can get (laughs) off the podcast and take my pants off. Um, So that is it for us, though. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Uh, If you want to reach us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Uh, if you want to find us online, we hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is Buenos Diaz SD. I am friends and Comes Alive. You can see my selection of t-shirts for my vacation. Uh, and if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. As much as we would love to say about more books today, I need to take my pants off! But you can find more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks as well as find the link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime... Happy reading. Say no to pants.